I wanted to start out by correcting, um, make a correction on my message last Sunday. I believe I said something that I wasn't um, right totally on, okay? So here it is. Um, I mentioned that Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians were all in the uh, prison epistles. That's not true. There's only Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon. So I stand corrected. You said, amen. You didn't catch that? You didn't pull me over? Yeah, well, it's okay. So we want to get it right. We want to be forthright, honest, and upright. It's okay to willing to, it's a good thing to admit our mistakes. Paul said, I boast about my weaknesses. I'd rather boast about my problems. And I believe that many people can relate to, to uh, weaknesses because we all have a few of our own, right? Amen. But God is our, our hope in spite of our weaknesses. He still chooses us to live in us in spite of our imperfection. His desire is that we know him. And through by knowing and by walking with him and having fellowship with him, we can come to understand that, as Paul did, even in his weaknesses, it was almost a blessing. As the word of God said, it was, in your weakness, I will be your strength. So we're going to, that's, that's a little preview. We're going to get back into Colossians here in a bit. And how many know that it's good to re review or remind yourself? How many know you sometimes you need to be reminded uh, uh, quite often? No one said amen to that one. The seasons of life. I heard somewhere the other day, remember how you could take two steps at once? Yeah, you remember that? Going up the stairs, you're in a hurry. You take two, sometimes it took three. Going up steps. Stuff changes, things shift, pains come here and there, never felt pain there before, and then you got pain. It's all kinds of stuff. This stuff is changing all the time. We're, we're in a world that's crazy, changing rapidly, and we need an anchor. We need someone that we can trust. Not going to bail on us. It remains the same. Dang it, winter, springtime, harvest, summer. Dad, I hear it from my kids. You need to change your shirt. I say, I want to be like Jesus. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Yeah, one of these days. We've got to go shopping. It's fun to have teenagers, and now, we all, now we're out of the teenage stuff. Did you know? Well, we're going to soon be this winter. No more teenagers. Hallelujah. 
the young adults. Hallelujah. But there's still challenges. It's a constant giving over, giving them back to God, saying, Lord, help them, strengthen them. And see, in Paul's life, in his heart, he had a lot of children, so to speak, in the spiritual realm. And what bothered him, what, what tore at his heart, was that he couldn't get there. He knew there were some problems. He knew there were some things that were misunderstood. And he was locked up in a prison. Much of Paul's life was in prison. But it was there that God used Paul to be a pen, to be a, a writer, a, a vessel, of which we have much of the New Testament for us to read today. How about that? When we think this could be to no avail, what kind of good could ever come out of this? But God. And so he's writing to the church of Colossae and Colossians. In the first chapter, we spoke a little about how that Paul was desiring in the first few verses that he, he never ceased to pray for you, that you would continue on and be filled. This is not enough just to get started with the Lord, but to finish strong, to keep going, to keep looking to the Lord, to keep growing, bearing fruit in every good works. We're not saved by our works, but we're saved unto works. We're saved now that we're saved, now that Jesus is in our hearts and life, we have the proper motivation. We have the understanding with the help of the Lord that whatever we do, whatever a hand finds to do, it is to serve the Lord. It's an act of serving the Lord. There's so many occupations in our world. There's so many different talents, so many different trades, so many different giftings, so many people... It all works together. God is the orchestrator. God gives the people gifts in the church. But as we read verse 15 of Colossians 1, he is the image, he is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. He, in other words, he is the one who he, he, he is the firstborn of all creation. He is the one who was raised from the dead. He is the first to come back. For by him all things were created. Jesus was involved in the creation of this world. Jesus was there when he was putting the whole heavens together. Making man out of dust. Jesus was there when he created the trees that would later be used to crucify him. Jesus was a part of that. He's on the throne of heaven today. There are two kinds of kingdoms. There's the kingdom of God, but there's the kingdom of this world. God is going to come back and, and establish the kingdom, his kingdom again someday. But until then, this kingdom, this earthly kingdom, will have its craziness. It will have its upheavals. It will have its all kinds of uh, self-centeredness and wickedness, all kinds of things, self-conceited. You can read about it in, the, in the, one of the letters of of Timothy will Paul describe in the latter days there will be people that will be lovers of self. 
lovers of self rather than lovers of God. No, we understand and we know better. With the help of the Holy Spirit and by the written word of God, he is, verse 17, he is before all things. He is before all things. And in him all things hold together. I like that portion, and in him all things to hold. In fact, man, if the Lord took his finger off the world today, it would spin out of chaos. The Lord took a just step back, and he can do that. And sometimes I wonder if he, he hasn't started to do some of that already. And the people of God are called on by the Lord to pray and intercede, to stand in the gap, to be a part of the solution. He is also the head of the body. He is the head of this church. I'm not the head of this church. I'm freed up. My responsibility is to point people to Jesus because he's the Savior. I'm not the Savior. I can't save anyone. I can only tell you how to be saved through Jesus Christ. It's the work of the Holy Spirit that brings people to the understanding. I take no credit for it. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that he himself might come to have first place in everything. It is in the heart of God that he be on the frontal of your heart, that he be the first in your heart, that he would be the first, number one in your heart, that nothing else matters. Everything else, he's like the hub of the spoke of a wheel. You remember them old-fashioned spoke wheels? Ooh, some of you guys probably don't remember. I mean the old wooden spindles. They were very vivid, weren't they, in the day. Now, there was a hub. And out spoke came. That, that represent, I think that represents God being number one. And all the other things revolve around the world. He's number one. He's the firstborn. He, he deserves to be number one. He deserves. He conquered sin and he conquered death. Death is the last enemy, it says. And Jesus looked it in the face. Though he was dead three days, he came back to life. On the third day, he rose. And if you believe on the Lord Jesus, Romans says, you shall be saved. Believe what? Believe that he was raised from the dead. Believe that he died and he was raised from the dead. He comes back to life, conquering sin. Now, he's in the business of restoring that which has been taken away. He's in the business of of, of Sewing back together, you've heard this story growing up. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. You know that story by now. He had a great fall. What happened then? No one can put him back together. Well, there's a Christian version of that. Except God. There's a lot of Humpty Dumpties in our world. There's a lot of Humpty Dumpty methods need the Lord, and the Lord is for us, but we need to call upon him. He doesn't just force himself on anyone. He's in the business of winning us, loving us to him, showing us that who he is, he is who he said he is, and this whole idea 
is around a verse in 22. He, uh, he, yet he has now reconciled. Where, what does that mean? He is now reconciled in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy blameless. What in the world? He reconciled. He, re, he restored us. He put us back in right relationship. My sin separated me from God, and Jesus took the place on the cross for me and my sin so that I could be accepted by God. Blameless. In verse 23, it says, if indeed you continue, this is the key here, if indeed you continue, and this is what Paul's heart was concerned about the church, because there were some folks that were getting misled by philosophers, people that were coming and bringing another, another way to, the, to have another gospel, so to speak, and kind of trying to get people to go back into the fleshly side of things. Oh, you have to be circumcised. And they dealt with it. Paul dealt with it. He talked more about the circumcision of the Spirit by the Spirit of God. That's later in chapter 2. And so, Paul was no weakling when it came to conversating the Word of God. He was, he was trained. He had learned how to, to, to talk and how to come against it. I believe that there, there are people that have been blessed with the gift to teach and to minister that way and to stand up and explain the scriptures. But there's the key. If we indeed you continue in the faith, but some people that suggests can fall away from the faith. But we're not going to fall away from the faith. If we continue to look to him, establish, look at it firmly, established and steadfast, not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. So now he gets down to verse 20. Now he says, therefore, I rejoice. He says, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. In other words, he say, I don't care what it takes to... If I have to go to prison, if I have to be in a shipwreck, if I have to be stoned, he was stoned at one point, he was whipped, he was he whipped many, many times, beaten. How would a, why would a guy want to do that for the gospel? It was something of conviction. It was a calling. It was the heart of God in Paul. It was like Jesus living in him, living through him. And so these sufferings, there was no, he rejoiced. He learned how to rejoice. In fact, he would, he would in one place in Acts, the apostles were, were considered blessed if they suffered for the name of Jesus. Verse 25 of this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. And so how important it is, how, how really, really how important is the word of God? It is so important that Jesus said, go and make disciples 
of all nations, every tribe, every place, go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them to observe, teaching them to observe, and learn and grow in relationship with me and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. People need to understand that Jesus is the way to salvation. Jesus is salvation. There's no other name, the Bible says in the book of Acts, is by no other name by which we can be saved. Salvation is merely the beginning point with our walk with God. Is to, we don't have to under, the good news, we don't have to understand all the words to be saved. We just understand enough that I need Jesus. I understand enough that I, I'm not going to make it to heaven by myself. I'm not going to make it to heaven by anything except by the grace of God. That's good news for us. And so as we begin this journey with our Lord, it's not a journey exempt from trial. It's not a journey exempt from things that will happen. We are also in a world that has fallen. We are, exempt. We are not exempt from sicknesses, We're not, but we also have a Savior that heals us. It can heal us very often. We can, we can call upon his name by his merciful hand that saved us. I believe that the Lord saves us to know him and be saved for all eternity at the same time. He saved us so that we can encourage someone else. And that's what I want to talk a little bit more about today. God has a work for you and I to do. And this is sometimes overlooked too often that we keep thinking, well, it's something out there, something in my future, something, you know, when I get get to an age where I can have more time, and, and you know, we, we, we can kind of begin to rationalize, but listen, the disciples were saved immediately, they begin to follow Christ, he called them out, and they begin to follow Jesus, and they begin to observe what he did, and they walked with him, he mentored them. Ministry starts the moment we're saved because we now have a testimony. Say, I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I was on my own road, living for self, but Jesus came that call. He thought he was doing God a service by actually destroying Christians until Jesus showed up in his life. Jesus is still the same yesterday, today, forever. He wants us to know him. There's no other life that we can live that will create the joy, the hope, the peace, and knowing that our sins are forgiven and that we're on our way to heaven with him. And so as Paul, I call it Paul's ambition. It was Paul's ambition as we read on here about the fact that what he was desiring to do was proclaim the gospel at no no matter what the cost to proclaim this wonderful mystery. In verse 28, we proclaim him admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom that we may present every man complete in Christ. One of our uh, fellow ministers, one of our friends in, uh, early in the church plant that we were involved with, Roger Stacy, 
he developed this philosophy. He developed this saying that I still remember. We are going to make it hard for people to go to hell. That's interesting. That's one way to look at it. Because we're going to present the gospel. We're going to reveal truth. And he was talking about church planting. He was talking about going to communities that didn't have a, a witness of the Lord. And he, we want to have a presence in, in so many more communities. See, Jesus said, I will build my church. I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In other words, God is on the throne. God is the, he is over all. He is the first. He's, he holds all things together. This earth could blow up if God took his favor and blessing. This so happened, I read in Isaiah this morning, somewhere I think around the 25th chapter, and Isaiah is really kind of a, a lot of, you know, prophecy about uh, judgment, and, you know, you kind of go through, whoa, 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 what does this all mean? And here I come across these words, the whole earth is shaking. And just so happened, my father-in-law, whom we visited, woke up from a, uh, an evening nap or whatever it was. He says, he goes, the whole earth is shaking. You're going to shake too, he said. So whatever he saw, wherever, whatever it happened, how it happened, I don't know. I mean, the Bible says that someday the earth will go through a terrible time, a great tribulation. The world, people in the world. I want to have the Savior on my side. I'm on the Savior's side. I'm on the Lord's side. I don't want to be an enemy of God. I want to know Him. And you can know Him. We can know Him. How do we know Him? It's simply saying, Jesus, I need you. Simple prayer, admitting our need for him. And so Paul's getting into this letter. Verse 1 of chapter 2, I want you to know how great a struggle. What is he saying? I want you to know that it cost me something to try to reach you. I want you to know that it was not easy. I want you to know my, li my life was, was spared many times. My life was in danger. What was it about Paul? It was the spirit of Jesus. We used to sing, oh, we sang that, you know, little course, a new course. Help me out. Can't think of it. I don't know. It'll come to me if it's supposed to be. Jesus has gone out of his comfort. Jesus left heaven. Jesus came down to the earth. 
and it was a struggle. Oh, you had a few good days. You had some victories. You healed a lot of people. You even raised Lazarus from the dead. He ate with the sinner. He raised up some smelly old fishermen. He even called one guy that betrayed him. Yet he was willing. The earth that he created. The Bible says before the foundation of the world. He knew what was going to happen. Unbelievable, the love of God. You think about the love of God for people, for mankind. It's beyond humanity. It's beyond this natural. It goes into the supernatural where he loves people so much that he's willing to wait and willing to give you another chance and another chance, but the day will come when that's it. And I'm, I'm so glad that we're still able to meet and have freedom to worship the Lord, but that could change someday. But it can't take the Lord out of our hearts. It can't take Jesus from living in us. And so they lock Paul up. They're going to get rid of this guy. They're going to shut him up. They're going to shut him down. But as the struggle went on, he actually furthered the kingdom. And you read the book of Acts, when they were persecuted, they spread out. It's quite a deal. Well, maybe they were comfortable, see? We can get comfortable, right? And then the Lord blessed other places, other churches started because they were spread out. And so, what is it that Jesus would say to you and I today? What would he say to you and I? I think some of the things that he would say are already written. In fact, much of what he would say to us are already written as we can read it. When you read the Bible, approach it as God is talking to you. Right to you. And so verse 2, their hearts, this is Paul's ambition, that their hearts may be encouraged. You know what stops people from any project or any kind of mission or any kind of ministry or any kind of motivation? It's discouragement. The devil's good at that, isn't he? We have this human nature that we have to fight against. When sometimes we just feel discouraged, like something, nothing, or whatever, can't figure it out. But we live in a world that has fallen. But their hearts may be encouraged. Here's the key. What is it that Jesus told the disciples, go make disciples, teaching them, teaching them. What is it that will keep us encouraged is the word of the Lord. We have to have so much of the word of God in our life that when the enemy comes in with a negative, ah, we know how to 
rebuke that. As Jesus said, it is written. It is written. Every time the devil came against him to try to get him to bow down, Jesus had the real answer. And every time the world tries to get us to think or believe something that's in opposition to the word of God, we've got to say it is written. That's not true. I don't have to accept that. And I can be free. Oh, my. How rich are you? We have riches beyond this world. Look at this verse. Knit together love. How many knitters do we have here? Knit, knit, knit. Knit. Something that's knit. It's a fabric that's tied together. Ecclesiastic somewhere says three strands are not easily broken. That's sort of a sort of a concept that two are better than one. I talked about it in that passage. Please, two are better than one. One falls down, uh, the other one there to help. And then goes on to say three cords are not easily broken. Well, I've often used that in marriage ceremony. Well, now the third stand here really represents the Lord God because he's the one that really ties us together. He's the one that really is our anchor. And so much of our need at times is to understand that our real purpose in life is to walk with Jesus demonstrate the love of God because he is the one who will help people get over the crisis or over the, the hill or over the hump, so to speak. He is the one who helps us be able to figure and see things as they are, to see things in the spirit, to see things as they really are in the world. We don't have to believe everything we hear. We shouldn't. And I'm going to kind of finish off here. And they said, Amen. And verse 5, Paul wasn't there physically in this, in this church. But he says, I'm with you in spirit. What does he mean? That he was in prayer. that he was able to pray and be in the spirit, rejoicing to see their good discipline. And firmly rooted, verse 7. That's a whole other message. A root system in our life. And then in verse 8, I'll finish off with this. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of man, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. There's our world. That's exactly where we're at. There's a whole lot of opinions. We are divided. Much, much of the world is divided. But the division 
cannot be helped if there's an opposition to God. But in the church, there can be unity, oneness. And so our encouragement comes through gathering together and receiving from the Lord and giving to the Lord and hearing from the word of the Lord and hearing the testimonies of each other and speaking truth and encouraging each other on. And all the more, as you see, the final day approaching. Gathering yourself together in Hebrews, all the more, all the more, as you see the final day approaching. We are here today to encourage, not to condemn. We are here today to admit our need. We are here today to surrender to him. We are here to lift up brother or sister. We are here to pray for one another. We are here to reflect on his grace. So our last song is very familiar. I don't know how this song has stayed with the church so long. It never really gets old. They changed it a bit a few years ago from the original Amazing Grace. They changed it a bit. But it's very similar, very similar, but yet a little bit different, a little bit fresh. I'm going to switch mics. But the part I like and enjoy about this new version of Amazing Grace is my chains are gone, I've been set free. See, the devil will keep us in chains. He wants to keep us in bondage. He wants to keep us in a place where well, we don't feel good enough to come to Jesus. We feel like we never could make, a, make it. But Jesus says, come anyway as you are. Let's just sing this. A couple of verses. Amen. Amen.